Hello, everyone, and welcome to Space Spiels. My name is Paige Kaufman, and I am an undergraduate astronautical engineering student at the University of Southern California. On this podcast, we will talk about all things aerospace. We will discover how people got where they are in industry and their experience of the culture and community on the way. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Space Spiels. Today's episode is super fun, super exciting. Today, I interviewed Rachel Glate. Rachel is a flight operations engineer at NASA. She basically has my dream job, and she's so kind and was so sweet to agree to talk to me and to come on the podcast. So a little bit about her background. She got her undergraduate degree in mechanical engineering at the University of Southern California. At USC, she was a member of RPL, which is our Rocket Propulsion Laboratory. Our RPL program was the first student-led team to send a rocket to space. And Rachel was on that team when they made history. So she'll talk a little bit about that today. So when you hear RPL, you now know what that acronym means. She then attended the University of Michigan. She got two master's degrees at Michigan. She got a master's in space engineering and a master's in aerospace engineering. She also has interned at the Aerospace Corporation, at SpaceX, and then she ended up at NASA. So she shares a bunch of about her journey, getting to where she is, the lessons she's learned, the connections she's made. This was a super awesome episode. I really hope that you enjoy. One other vocabulary word I have for you is MECOPS. MECOPS is a class I am currently in, and it's an instrumentation and measurement class where we have to write a lot of reports and do a lot of long lab assignments. So Rachel and I bonded over that mid-episode. So when you hear us talk about that, you are now cued in. You know what's up. All right. So I hope you enjoy today's episode and take it away. Okay. So I like to start at the beginning for context and want to know like what got you interested in working in space? Was there a moment when you were younger? What did it come later? What did that look like? Absolutely. So unfortunately, I don't have one of those cool, um, like I saw a shuttle launch when I was a kid or whatever stories. Um, I actually originally wanted to be an actor and go into musical theater. And that was like going to be my life trajectory. And I trained all through like elementary, middle and high school, like planning to do that. (laughs) That's cool. Yes. And then uh, I didn't even really know what engineering was until I hit um, high school physics. Uh, I took an AP physics class in high school. Um, I had this really, really amazing um, physics teacher. His name was Mr. James. And um, I'm dyslexic, so I have like a learning disability. So school was always really hard for me. And he was like the first person who like made me feel like I could succeed at something that was really difficult. Yeah. (laughs) So even though I was really bad at um, physics, uh, this uh, physics teacher really helped me out and just kind of inspired me and taught me all about engineering and kind of made it a potential path for me. Oh, awesome. Oh my gosh. I love that. (laughs) Smaller moment, smaller moment. Exactly. That's kind of my origin story. And I kind of led myself a little bit astray. Um, I ended up still wanting to cling to um, the art thing. And I didn't realize that you can like integrate engineering and art and other aspects of your life that aren't 
quite as obvious. Yeah. So I, um, I ended up going to USC at first to study architecture. So I started in USC's architecture program. And um, that was kind of my easiest way to like mentally be like, okay, we're doing art, but there also has to be like some physics behind it. These are going to be real buildings, you know, things uh-huh. like that. Right. Um, but uh, I quickly realized that um, that wasn't for me. Uh, I'm a person who, th- this sounds like um, self-deprivating and it's not supposed to be, but yeah. Um, yeah. I'm a person who doesn't have a lot of like natural talents. Right. Like some people are just really naturally gifted at art. Art, for example, and I'm not that girl. <laughs> I would love to be. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But uh, so everything that I've kind of like wanted to do or been passionate about or interested in, I've really put in like a lot of passion and a lot of hard work to do it. Mm-hmm. And in architecture school, I kind of realized, hey, you know, I'm working really hard to do something that some people are just so naturally gifted at. Mm-hmm. And that's great. But I also could be working equally as hard to do something that everyone struggles with. And it's a challenge for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so, absolutely. Yeah. So that absolutely. kind of led me to engineering and um and then being in Los Angeles kind of got bit by the space bug um, with everything there. So that yeah. kind of is what led me into the aerospace industry, but it was not a straight path by any yeah. means to get there. <laughs> gotcha. That's funny. You say that with the things that come hard to you. Cause I'll joke. I'm like, okay, I guess I just have to switch majors now. This is so hard. <laughs> and like, you know, you get to that point, it's like midnight, you're working on your homework. It's like, I'm gonna have to switch. I'm yeah. like, I think I'm like, what would I switch to that? I'm equally talented about like music. Okay. But then that's hard too. Like I would be it is. just as bad <laughs> at that. Like, so yeah, that's, that's very the thing. Clear. You kind of need to like pick your your battles in a way, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, I, if, if everything is going to be a challenge, you kind of need to assess, you know, where your passions and priorities right. are, and maybe like something is a passion project right now, but in the future it might be, you know, like more attainable as a hobby or a career or something later in life, depending on you know what's going on with you currently. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, when you were at USC, what where are you originally from? Uh, so I grew up in Indianapolis. Oh, okay. And then I moved across the country to LA, which was oh. one of the best decisions of my life. Yeah. So happy I went to USC. Yeah. Um, really, I kind of got out of, you know, like the small town, you know, Midwestern vibe and into a big city where I met so many amazing people and made lifelong connections that, um, yeah. you know, still I'm coordinating with and hanging out with and, you know, seeing them in the industry too is great. So yeah. <laughs> it's been awesome. That. That's so exciting. Uh what what did you do outside of your classes at SC, outside of education? So I did a little bit of everything. I kind of had, I, I'm a very interdisciplinary person based mm-hmm. on my background. So I kind of wanted to get involved in all these different seemingly unrelated things, but I yeah. would argue they all kind of come together. Yes, they do. So, they always do. Yeah. They do. I was um, a part of um, an improv troupe at USC. Okay. Um, it was called Pretty Not Bad. I don't know if they're still doing things. But, no, they are. Um, I'll have to ask. Yeah, ask around. Um, I was really big into improv in high school, and I knew that when I got to college, it was like my entire personality. I was like, I need to keep doing improv comedy. <laughs> so, um, 
so I definitely wanted to find something I could do. And it was a pretty like low commitment activity where like maybe like once a week we do like an improv show or we'd have like a practice or something. So mm-hmm. that was really fun. And I think improv has totally colored my experience in engineering. I think yeah. without it, um, I probably couldn't be an engineer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. My own personal perspective. <laughs> yes. You have to improvise all the time. Absolutely. Exactly. So much of it is being adaptable. Like even if it's like constraints, like even if you're like a design engineer, right. you know, like you have to be adaptable to certain constraints that are given to you and thinking on your feet and being able to kind of read people, relate to people. It's all kind of part of the same story, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I did that. Uh, I was involved in a pre-law fraternity called Phi Alpha Delta. (laughs) What? Um, Yeah. I, I thought I was going to be maybe a law student at some point, yeah. which I ended up actually taking a couple um, law classes in graduate school. So it okay. it still is kind of in the back of my mind. Interesting. Whoa, that would be cool. Okay. Yeah. It's I'm a weird one. I think that, yes, please stay tuned. I, I always it. say like uh, law school might be my midlife crisis. So um, <laughs> who knows? We'll see. Um, my interest in law though was um, I was really interested in like space policy specifically. Oh, okay. So I could definitely see myself, you know, trying to dip toes into that area of the industry at some point in the future. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know but, Bridget Medler, the Disney star? This sounds unrelated, but it's not. You know, I have, I, I, I she's blonde, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, yes. From Good Luck Charlie. She, yes, yes, she yes, studied yes. like space law at like oh, MIT. Amazing yeah. for her. Isn't that random? Honestly, maybe that should be my role model because we have an actress <laughs> who's going into space law. Right. Right. It's perfect. So she's super cool. I mean, yeah. I did not know that. That's amazing. Well, there you go. There you go. Yeah, so I just inspired out that's something you can like really study and dive into. So it is. Yeah. And I don't really know like what, you know, university programs look like for that, for like, you know, space mm-hmm. policy. I'm sure things are up and coming and, you know, it's, it's a right. brand new industry in a brand new world, quite literally. So, yeah. you know, I, I'd be interested to see, you know, what different programs schools have and say, so who knows, maybe USC has something. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah, but yeah, probably but... will soon. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, if they don't, I'm sure they will. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then I want to talk to you. You were in RPL, right? At your time. At yes, USC? I was in RPL. And yeah. you were there during the record breaking era. I was. So Probably I forward. was on the structural avionics team or the avionics structures team. Okay. So basically we built the avionics chassis that was inside the vehicle. So we built the payload basically. Gotcha. The only payload we were flying was like maybe like a potato chip or something. <laughs> and then just like the computer. <laughs> like, yeah. That was it. Yeah. Um so I was on that team and uh which was really amazing, really great. Um a lot of really great friends came from that. But I hadn't joined RPL until like my junior year, I think, of college. Yeah. So I was kind of late to the game. By the time I was there, they were already like, we're on a mission to cross the Carmen line. I was like, okay, I'm on board. Like, great, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm ready. Let them put me in coach. Um, but so like the teams were pretty like well established by the time I was joining, but I did get to um uh, like work on some of like the, I guess, like payload um, operations that we kind of did um, okay. in New Mexico when we were working on that. Um, yeah. And every, it was really exciting. And I got to um, go to the launches and stuff. So yeah. definitely a highlight of my college career crossing the Carmen. Line. I was I wasn't shocked when we did it, but um, yeah. I think Traveler uh, 
I forget. There was one that we sent up where um, the avionics didn't turn on. And it was the one right before the uh-huh. the one that crossed the Garmin line. Yeah. <laughs> and I went to that launch and it was it was upsetting. We all left kind of yeah. sad because we think that that um, vehicle had actually been the one to set the record. But we have no proof without the payload. So, yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, I didn't even realize that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. A little bit of RPL lore. I'm sure it's all on their website. Yeah. Um, I definitely... <laughs> I definitely learned a lot. Um, That was like a great, uh, and I I know you mentioned that you're doing design team stuff too, right? So definitely a great way to get your hands dirty, um, which I think is so important. (laughs) Yes. Super fun. Make those mistakes before they cost a little more money and maybe you're Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Was the feeling amongst the team just crazy once you guys finally did that? Because I know that was was, like a 20 year project of Yes, it was insane. And I mean, like we really came or at least specifically, I came into it standing on the shoulders of giants, right? Like mm-hmm. I had kind of come into it really not knowing anything about rocketry at all. I was like, oh, solid propellant. Is there another kind? Like it was, <laughs> you know, I really yeah. didn't know anything. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know like rockets were called like launch vehicles at that point yeah. in my yeah. education. It just yeah. never came up. <laughs> so I, I really you know, kind of walking in, I definitely felt like a little bit of an imposter for these people that, you know, had come to the school specifically like to work on this mission or yeah. had been following it since day one or had been kind of grandfathered in by um, other like upperclassmen who were grandfathered in by other upperclassmen, you know, and the yeah. years of effort and hard work that it took to make this rocket a reality. Right. And um, yeah, it was really amazing. And again, definitely like we needed all, I think it was like 13 years or something before we actually like made it. We, we needed all 13 of those years. Like it was really a a group effort. And obviously like the alumni were really the ones that paved the way for it to occur. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. You learn so much when you're like with people that just know so much more than you and are smarter. Cause it's like, it is like a different language. When I finally entered a design team, I was like, I sat in those meetings. I thought they were speaking French. I was like, this is insane. And then you and it's so learn. different from classes. Yeah. yeah. It's like it, yeah. it because you don't really, you know, like the hands-on stuff is totally different than what you're necessarily learning in a class too. So yeah. I think that's a big part of it as well is trying to like integrate like what you're learning and hearing about with like what the actual real world and like hands-on looks like, you know? Yeah. So I, I I think like design team experience is truly like invaluable. Like if I if any engineering student in the world, if I could give them one advice, like one piece of advice, join yeah. a design team, get your hands dirty, like yeah. <laughs> do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Okay. So on the same kind of note, what was your internship experience like? Did you have any, I'm going into that phase now and I'm just kind of curious what, what that looked like for you. Absolutely. So the interning or like the internship search is a struggle. Um, It definitely was for me. It was very intimidating, very scary. I did like all the career fairs at USC, like even like some like random, like one-off like meetings that they would have with some um, like employers that would come in. Um, But I got really lucky where I, my first internship was at the Aerospace Corporation and I sent my resume into a black hole online application, like truly like was like, didn't talk to a single human being, like, you know, just sent it in. And I got an email, um, from my would-be manager being like, hi, Rachel, I'm interested in interviewing you, you know, like let's set up a time to talk. And I mean, he really took a chance on me. (laughs) Like, I I had really had no experience. I did have RPL on my resume, which I think, again, is kind of what got me an internship because uh, without having some sort of like 
kind of real world, getting your hands dirty experience. Um, I, I don't think that would have been possible for me to have right. like made it out of that black hole website thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But um, so that was my first internship. I did that. um, I think it was the summer after my junior year was my first internship and um, really amazing experience. Um, I learned a lot. I learned how to write Python script, which I had never learned because in school, all we did was MATLAB and I'm a mechanical (laughs) engineer, not like, you know, a computer scientist. So it was definitely a learning curve. Um, But I, because of that, um, it kind of I kind of learned how to teach myself how to write code and scripts and stuff. And that is a skill that I've continued to use to this day, you know? Right. So yeah. uh, that was really amazing. I was specifically working on like um, structural dynamics for launch vehicles. Okay. So um, I was like analyzing data from like um, Falcon launches and stuff and trying to like determine like uh, how like the structure reacted to the launch, you know, was kind of yeah what I was looking at. Um, but a lot of it was Excel sheet. Like I was like putting things into Excel sheets from like a a Python script. I was using Python to like fill out Excel sheets or take things from Excel sheets. It was a very like analytical engineering position. Uh, and I think that this is something that a lot of engineers don't really know, which I didn't know when I was looking at jobs, there's so many different types of like engineering jobs. There's like the more analytical ones. There's like the design ones. There's like the hands-on, like you are torquing a bolt ones, you know? (laughs) Um, so, uh, and then there's like operations, like they're so different and different jobs will have you doing a different like combination of those things usually. Yeah. But you kind of need to try them all to see which ones you like, you know? Yeah. yeah. So uh, so that was my internship in, or experience at the Aerospace Corporation. Um, so that was like the summer of like 2019 that I had my first internship. Then um, my second internship was after I graduated undergrad. And that was the summer of 2020, <laughs> which was oh, the COVID summer. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So um, I was very fortunate in that the Aerospace Corporation maintained their internships remotely because a lot of companies did not. <laughs> oh, so um, I got to keep my internship and I got to work remotely. Um, and again, it was a lot of Python scripting, stuff like that. So I was able to do it from afar, which was right. really, really great. <laughs> yeah. Good. So yeah. So that was my like first, I technically two internships, but, um, I was really working on the same team doing similar work for both of those. Yeah. Um, then my most recent internship experience, I guess, was um, in grad school, which um, one of the primary drivers for me going to grad school was um, to have even more internship experience. Because even though I really loved my time at the Aerospace Corporation and it was super just invaluable, mm-hmm. all I really knew of the engineering industry was like this analytical engineering role where you know you're kind of working with data, and I hadn't really tried anything else. So I wasn't sure what, you know, like a design engineer does or what, you know, an operations engineer does or what any of those other folks would do. So I kind of wanted to try a different internship to get some experience doing something like that. So um, I was fortunate enough to um, get an interview with um, Kiko from SpaceX, who he like leads like launch operations in Cape Canaveral. He's a a famous guy. (laughs) Everyone knows his name at SpaceX and and at many universities. I think the USC people know him. The University of Michigan people know him. He's like Uh a local celebrity everywhere he goes. Yes, it sounds familiar. (laughs) Yes. Um, and, uh, and I had no idea who he was. <laughs> and um, I went to the University of Michigan Career Fair um, and they had SpaceX interviews and I just 
popped my head into like one of these like online interviews and it was yeah. Kiko <laughs> and he asked me some questions about mechanical engineering and then he was like okay cool send me a like a resume or whatever email me your resume and then like I'll you know get back to you and then I got an email from like SpaceX HR or like their website and it was like Rachel like we are requesting that you apply for this position or something huh. and I was like okay. oh okay so like this is now the start of the application <laughs> but it was it was very interesting yeah um so then I sent over my information like through that portal or whatever and then I started getting calls from folks for interviews, uh, which was really amazing. The people that were interviewing me were like, you know, like these really, really amazing, super professional. I mean, like I, I think of them as celebrities, right? Like, yeah. like really crazy, cool, amazing people in the space industry. Yeah. And, um, and I was just little old me <laughs> and um, did a couple interviews, ended up getting that job. And that was um, launch integration um, on like in Cape Canaveral. So talking about getting your hands dirty, this was, yeah. I mean, my hands were filthy. I was carrying like wrenches and like all sorts of stuff, like across like the Air Force base. Like, oh my gosh. That's like, so one fun. Point, I had like a, a clamp that I like loaded into my car and it was like the size of me and it weighed like a hundred pounds. <laughs> I was like trying to like get it like through like a turnstile to get into a building. It was ridiculous. Oh <laughs> um, my gosh. But, uh, but really, really amazing experience. So um, I went there to do um, like, uh, it was, uh, payload integration. So I was mostly working with like Starlink satellites, um, GPS satellites, um, a couple other random ones mixed in there, but those were the majority. And, um, for payload integration, the whole idea is we were the people that put the satellite into the fairing of the launch vehicle. Okay. So, it was basically prepping the satellite, getting everything ready, working in clean rooms, getting it into a fairing, and then um, integrating it with the rest of the rocket, which um, was kind of another team that really did that effort. But we all kind of worked together to right. make that happen, right. um, which was insane because I'd never even like seen a rocket. I had never um, seen a launch before this. I hadn't seen anything. And suddenly I was like working it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Crazy, amazing. So hands-on. <laughs> yeah. It was, I, I was twerking bolts. Um, I was writing instructions for the technicians to run, which was crazy because these are people that worked on shuttle in Cape Canaveral and like are truly technical experts in their field. And there's like little old me, like 21 or something, like yeah. writing their instructions for them. And they're like, yeah, we know how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> <Like, laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, well, here's your paperwork that you can work to. <laughs> you know, like, That's um, awesome. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, and then towards the end of that internship, um, uh, it was kind of like an all hands on deck process. They were flying a lot of my team out to um, Texas to work on Starship stuff. And then uh, inspiration for the um, like civilian crew dragon launch was happening that was going into orbit. And I got to experience um, a crew dragon spacecraft integration and got to work on that team for about a month towards the end of that experience. Wow. This and is all an internship? So yes, it, it was all an internship. I was technically a associate engineer. That's basically their graduate level internship. Right. Um, okay. So they say, you know, we're going to give you the same work as a, you know, a freshly starting engineer. I mean, like you have the same bachelor's degree that, you know, like all the other engineers working here have whatever. Right. So so I think it's supposed to inspire like a little bit more like trust in you yeah. as like 
an intern, but yeah. at the same time, um, I never worked in industry really, or done anything like terribly hands-on besides making, you know, a little like payload chassis for, um, you know, the, uh, traveler vehicles with RPL or yeah. doing like a senior design project at USC where I made like this kind of like, uh, it was like a payload integration tool. And it was like this six degree of freedom, like kind of crane looking thing, yeah. you know, yeah. robotic arm moment, but it was yeah. all mechanical. It was crazy. <laughs> But uh, so this was really my first time, you know, doing any of this stuff and really, you know, like on a on a launch base, you know, and like or like on launch sites on an Air Force base, you know, doing it all. So um, really amazing experience. And then with Crew Dragon, they had me like leading different aspects of like the integration of the capsule because it's like capsule refurbishment. So um, they had me like leading some of the effort for um, the propulsion system on the capsule. And I was like, I am a mechanical engineer. I avoided the prop classes at USC. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know anything about propulsion. Like even when I did RPL, I was, you know, like I did a structural engineering for like the payload, you know, because like the least rocketry side of it. Yeah. Yeah. So um so I was like, oh man, you're putting me on this. And I mean, it was a crazy learning experience, but it, I mean, wouldn't change it for the world. Truly was fantastic. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> what, what was your uh, master's in? So I actually got two master's degrees at the University of Michigan because oh, okay. one wasn't enough, I guess. <laughs> um, that's not true uh, awesome. for engineers out there in the world. It, you do not need a master's degree. It is completely yeah. optional. There are certain things that maybe you might pr- want one for or need one for, but like it's not a necessity. Um, whereas like, you know, some other fields, like obviously if you're going to be a lawyer, like you need to go to law school, you know? Right. Um but I got uh, one master's degree in um, aerospace engineering with a focus in dynamics and controls. Okay. And then my other master's degree, um, University of Michigan has this really amazing, it's called like space engineering program. Okay. I call it like a master's in space systems because that kind of makes it make more sense to people because everyone's like space engineering. How's that different than aerospace engineering, right. you know? Right. Yeah. But uh, the space engineering degree was really more of like a systems, like operations type of degree. A lot of our classes were like uh, working on like team projects. It wasn't like a lot of, um, like we did have like technical requirements, but mm-hmm. it was much less uh, technical heavy than the aerospace engineering degree was. It was right. more like soft skills. Like how do you build a mission? You know, like stuff like that, as opposed to like, right. do some math, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So I kind of got both of them at the same time. It took me two years to get both of them. And a lot of the credits overlapped, which is why I could do that. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. I had a great time. I loved Michigan. Ann Arbor is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I'll have so, to look into it. That's That sounds like a Yeah. Good they have a great programs there. for Obviously, USC has great programs too. Yes. Um, yeah. Just depends on, you know, if you're okay being a little cold for the winter or not. <laughs> That's really the, the deciding I factor. I know. We're going to the Big Ten next year. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. Go. Yeah. I know. And then my two schools will be playing each each other so I gotta I guess pick a side at some point right That'll be crazy. <laughs> like, I know I know yeah. wear, wear one hat one jacket yeah exactly everyone's gonna be confused everyone's yeah. gonna be like who, who do you belong to yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yes pick oh, a side nice. yeah so after mm-hmm. Michigan did you go right to NASA or did we you work at SpaceX a little bit or right to NASA so I went right to NASA. So basically after my SpaceX, um, like associate engineering internship moment, mm-hmm. um, I had like a really difficult decision to make because they had openings on the team that I was leaving. 
And um, what you can do at SpaceX, I, I know you could do this a couple of years ago, and I think you can still do it. Basically, yeah. a certain amount of months after you graduate, I think it's like within six months of graduating, you can do this associate engineering like position. So basically a graduate level internship. So as long as you like, if you have a degree, even if you're not going to school after, you can still do that internship before like starting a real full-time job there and not internships are still full-time but you know without starting like a you know more than three month commitment with right. them gotcha um so what they were offering me was they um had allowed me the opportunity to interview and basically use my intern my final intern presentation as my interview mm -hmm. to stay on the team that I was working on and I had to make the really difficult decision if I was going to go back to University of Michigan and finish out my master's degrees or stay on the team in Cape Canaveral and continue building or payload integration or even helping out with some of the Dragon Refurb or stuff like that. Yeah. So really hard choice. Um, yeah. But I did decide to go finish my master's degrees. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think it was a good call for me just because I'd already kind of made this commitment to do grad school mm -hmm. and I really wanted to see it all the way through. I was really enjoying my graduate experience, like the friends I was making in grad school and the classes and the professors. And again, Ann Arbor is a beautiful, beautiful city. And going back there was just like, it made my heart full, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I did end up going back to grad school, finishing out my degrees and then Right after graduation, um, I started working at NASA almost like, I think it was like within like the month that I graduated or a month after I graduated, I moved down to Houston Whoa. and uh, started working at Johnson Space Center. So it it has been a wild ride. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Did you just put your application into the pit of NASA.gov or how did you get the job? This is a very, very good question. So I did apply to a couple like NASA.gov, you know, like black holes, you know, website right. things. Yeah. Those, or whatever. I think those are the ultimate black holes. I did yeah, truly. And I would actually agree with you because um, something that I learned um, kind of in grad school at some point, I realized this. I don't know why it's not like more widely publicized, but um, specifically space flight operations. So like FOD, like flight operations department, you know, like uh, that area. And, and even like they're more um, like their engineering departments. A lot of NASA is employed by contractors. Yeah. So I don't know the exact percentage, but I think it's a, something like 80% of NASA employees are contractors. So they're not civil servants. Yeah. Um, again, don't, that, that might not be the right percentage, but it kind of feels that way at work. Right, right. So, um, so I actually applied to a contractor and I put my, uh, application through the contractor's black hole website. Oh. So, um, specifically for space flight operations, um, the largest contractor is a company called KBR. Yes. And so I put my application through their black hole website mm -hmm. and then I ended up getting a call from them and they said, Hey, you know, we saw that you applied to KBR for this position. Um, we'd love to interview you for the same position at Lighthouse. And I was like, what, what do you mean? Like, yeah. I, I'm already doing this contractor thing. Like, what are you talking about? So it turns out the contractor has like other contractors <laughs> that they like coordinate. With. It, it's so confusing. No like, <laughs> when I try to explain this to people, they're like, okay, so who do you work for? And I'm like, yeah. okay, so Lidos signs my paychecks, right? Like okay. Lidos, my benefits is the Lidos package. I'm employed by Lidos, but I work in mission control as a flight controller at NASA. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very confusing. 
<laughs> but um, I th- I think the the hack if folks are interested in um, internships or you know jobs at NASA is to apply through the contractors mm-hmm. because I think there's just way more opportunity. There's way more um, like positions open through the contractors right. than civil servant positions. Right. So most of my coworkers are contractors, like I am. And again, we all do the same job, a good, you know, probably like 20% or something of them are civil servants as well. Um, Depending on like where they go in their careers, they might start as a contractor and then transition to a civil servant if like they change positions or if something happens where like uh, they need to be a civil servant for their role. But uh, for the most part, uh, the contractors can do everything that the civil servants can. Um, And it's really great. Again, our benefits are like a little bit different, Mm -hmm. but there's no like um, really clear like advantage or disadvantage to going one way or the other. Right. So yeah. So it's a great way to get involved if you're interested in that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good tip. So what, for context of like what you do, start with giving me, what did you do at work yesterday? Or you can pick like one day of the week, the last week. Sure. So I, yesterday I was actually working remotely and traveling. So yesterday was not a great day. Okay. (laughs) But sure. So, um, so I work, um, as an attitude determination and control officer for the international space station. And that's like what my, like, title is the group that I'm a part of at NASA. Um, so basically, yeah, yeah, it's a a mouthful. (laughs) It's it's a whole thing in short, it's called ADCO. So, uh, ADCO, it's an ISS, um, name back in like, uh, shuttle days or uh, Apollo days, they called them GNC. Um, because guidance navigation control GNC versus ADCO it's it's the same thing they just renamed it for the space station basically okay um yeah and um so I am currently a trainee for the ADCO team so basically uh you need to go through a certain amount of training before you can officially become a flight controller and uh I have been at NASA for almost a year and a half now a little less than a year and a half um, and I am currently, uh, almost completely done with my technical training. I just have one really big test that I got to take for that. Yeah. And then I'll be doing, um, simulations and, uh, planning jobs and OJTing on the job training. So basically sitting console shift with uh, shifts with, um, certified ADCOs and kind of learning from them live, things like that. So every day is kind of different. Uh, yeah. a lot of times I work to like edit procedures, I work to, um, I, I write, I, I've been helping out with some of the Orion stuff for Artemis. I'm working on like a code for a display that the flight controllers will be using for that. Mm. Um, so it really depends on the day, but I do a little bit of everything right now though. My number one job is to train, to be on console. So train to sit in the thicker, the flight control room and, um, like work console shifts, um, as the ADCO on console at the time you're in school again you're just in work that, exactly <laughs> yes so I, I we take classes we have tests uh the tests are like oral exams it's basically like another master's degree because the two weren't enough so. yeah uh, yes um, always learning but That's all these people always learning. I will say though the training is a, l- a little different than school in that it it's less about like 
what you know, like you need to be a technical expert. You need to be a technical subject matter expert, but the way that you communicate it and the way that you integrate the information that you're getting is totally different because in school, you can just kind of memorize something and then like, you can usually like recreate it on a test. Right. Right. But for this, you need to be able to apply it in like dire constraints. You need to be able to kind of go to another level of like implications of you know, like what failure it is and like how it actually impacts like the hardware in the system that you know the guts of because you have taken tests on it and studied it and right. read systems briefs on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of like a, like a very intense schooling program where part of your training is sitting in, in, in uh, being in simulations where, um, you know, you're basically pretending that you're on console and then they just throw a ton of failures at you. Like, it's like yeah. nothing you would ever knock on wood see, you know, in a real, you know, day on, on console. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you need to adapt. And then when failures start stacking up, you need to figure out how the system's going to respond to like all these different combined failures, yeah. stuff like that. So it's, it's a really crazy, like mental challenge. Um, it's kind of like puzzles in a way. <laughs> yeah. You better be well rested coming into work. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. I did. Um, I'm doing like mini sims, which is like one subset like of the training, like sim flow. And I did a six hour mini sim, which is like, this is like the short, these are like the baby sims, like the, in, the entry level sims. Yeah. And I left that day and I just like, s- like sat in my office and I was like staring at a wall for like two hours. And I like, I couldn't do anything else because my brain was so like, funny. you're like, I'm like, so hyped up. I was like staring at my emails. I was like, oh, I can't read any of this right now. <laughs> Do you remember Mech Ops at USC? Yes, that's, that's the what, energy. That's what I'm in right yep. now. That's what I'm comparing it to. <laughs> the, our the, like our labs where I'm like, I'm yeah, Mech I'm Ops like, was, you know, it's like, a, it's almost like a little hazingy, you know, yeah. it's yeah. Like a little mean to you, yeah. you know, like that's kind exactly. of, the, it's not mean at NASA, but you know, like sometimes when I'm in a sim and they're throwing like these crazy failures on me, I'm like, that yeah. was mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're earning your keep for real. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. give me a break. Like, <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. similar so it okay, definitely feel, cool. it feels a little hazy sometimes you know yeah. like I'm being hazed <laughs> that's funny you'll be well prepared that's good Everyone's that's the thing they, they need us to be experts they need us to be you know like the the best and brightest or whatever so that yeah. you know a part of it's like light torture you know <laughs> <laughs> I love it okay so to wrap up I have two questions I'm always ask everyone so first is yeah. What is the most meaningful connection you've made within your professional life and why? Excellent question. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to say my like um, internship and early career managers. Um, I can name drop them because they're still in the industry doing amazing things. So uh, Eric Malquist at the Aerospace Corporation and Ryan D'Ambrosia at SpaceX. Um, They were, I mean, first of all, they totally took a chance on me when I really was coming in with not a lot to offer. At least that's how I felt. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really took a chance on me. Uh, Didn't really know what I was doing. I was like 20 years old. Like, you know, like I I just learned what engineering was like the year before. And I'm like, okay, well, here, here I am, you know, (laughs) and um, they really never questioned my capability or made me feel like I, you know, was like novice or new. They, if anything, challenged my capability by giving me tasks and that they were confident that Mm -hmm. I could learn and succeed at and mentored me through all of it. And I mean, like it was like true allyship, like they were just, you know, there to, uh, mentor and manage me in a way that really, you know, like 
made me grow and as like an engineer, so both like personally and professionally. And they really made that like a forefront of their management was making sure that like, I felt like included and taken care of and that I had shoulders to lean on, but also that I was like fully capable and an asset to the team in my own right. So uh, that was an amazing feeling that I had never really had, especially like not on a technical engineering level up to that point. Yeah. So yeah. So that was really amazing. And it did inspire a lot of confidence in me because again, going in, it's for sure hard to hop into an engineering role and be confident, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, especially when you have so much to learn and you know, you have so much to learn, but, yeah. uh, again, their, their trust and mentorship really, uh, kind of informed my early career years. Um, and I think helped me to achieve, you know, success in my early developmental, you know, stages right. as an engineer. Um, so yeah, so I was just really lucky to have them as great mentors. Yeah. That's so good to hear that you feel that same way going into things yeah. because I fight that feeling constantly <laughs> of just not knowing what's happening, not feeling qualified. People are taking a chance on me and not wanting to let them down, all that stuff. And you've conquered it and still feel it and are have done great things and are doing great things. So that's so, it's so nice to hear it. Yes. Okay. I will say this, this might be a little controversial, but the fake it till you make it is a mm-hmm. real thing. And if you see anyone who has like unbridled confidence, that is what they're doing. You know, <laughs> There's really no one who, you know, until you do it, you can't know how to do it, right? You can't right. be an expert. So yeah. you really need to kind of like be new, like try things out, take risks. Um, yeah. And again, hopefully find really great, wonderful mentors and peers to kind of guide you through it and hold your hand when you need it, but also give you the confidence to tackle things on your own. So, right. Absolutely. I love it. I got to turn that up a little bit, just a little bit <laughs> fake confidence, a little bit more. Yeah. You can fake it till you make it like a little, obviously, you know, yeah. like don't, don't say wrong things right. or like do something crazy, but, um, but you know, like it, it, it everyone's kind of in the same boat in the industry. Yeah. So you kind of gotta, you know, just gas yourself up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> and, I, and I'm still working on it too. Trust me. Yes. <laughs> okay. So now you kind of touched on this with the hands-on experience, but what's advice you would give your 20 year old self? Okay. So when I was 20, this is probably like right when I was like deciding to be like a mechanical engineer. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so like I was switching from architecture to like mechanical engineering at this okay. point. Um, I think my advice would be don't be afraid of failure. Mm-hmm. And I say this because I don't think there is a single engineer um, who is currently employed as an engineer on this planet who has not failed before. I, I don't think that is possible. And the reason I say that is because every interview I've ever been in, like one of like the first three questions they ask is like, talk about a time you failed or describe a failure that you've had. So I don't know how you get past that question <laughs> if you haven't experienced a failure. <laughs> so, um, so my advice is to, there's like a saying, it's like fail fast, fail hard or fail often or something, yeah. you know, like don't, don't fail often, but you know, right. like I think your early career is really like your time when, you know, like you can fail and you should be failing now so that you don't fail later on because your failures, you know, inform how you handle failures in the future. And if you don't kind of hash out your failure, game plan, state of mind, whatever you need to kind of get through a failure and come out the other side as like the victor when you're young, you don't want to be figuring it out when, you know, like stakes are high, right? Like that's not something that you want to have to be assessing. So 
again, kind of part of that is getting your hands really dirty so that there, there are, there's something to fail at, right? Like you could fail at your, you know, RPL rocket, right. Or you could fail at your senior design project or, you know, something and like, you know, I mean, I sure did on both of those, you know, (laughs) like, um, or even like your first internship, like I, I, I had failures in my internships as well that, you know, like it was really like my bouncing back from them that kind of made me the engineer that I currently am. So uh, just getting involved, doing school projects, you know, again, design teams, stuff like that, so that your failures are at least low risk to start for the most yeah. part. Um, and then, you know, and it, it feels like the end of the world when you fail. Like, I, I, I know it's not a good feeling. It's awful. <laughs> yeah. But uh, kind of getting comfortable taking risks and, you know, like learning from your failures and how to, you know, prevent them in the past or how to bounce back from them in the past while you're still young uh, would be my advice. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, love it. Words of wisdom. Okay. You know, I don't know if they're wise, but they are words. (laughs) We'll take it. (laughs) There we go. There we go. All right. That is all I have for you. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a pleasure. It's so amazing that you're doing this. So. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Space Spiels. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a fellow space nerd and follow us and rate the podcast. It really helps us out. I'll talk to you next week.